We're in a sermon series, One Month to Live. So what would you do different if you had just one month to live? Who would you spend your time with? How would you think differently? I was reading about a gentleman named Randy Posh. Randy was a college professor at Carnegie Mellon University. He recently was diagnosed with a fatal disease that is impossible to pronounce. But he was given only a few months to live. Following his prognosis, what he decided to do was to give one last lecture to his college class. So they videotaped it. It went on YouTube. It got more than a million hits. Daytime television Queen Opera had him on her show. Parade Magazine had him on a, as a cover story. It was getting all the attention. This guy was living like he was dying. I think that what was gripping the American people is the fascination that they were looking at somebody and they were thinking he's going to be dead soon and he knows it. And that's kind of ironic, you know. I too am dying. I took this test last week called Life Expectancy Test on the website. You put in your family, whether you smoke or drink or exercise. You tell about your stress level, whether you wear a seat belt or whether you use butter or margarine. Do you like cats or dogs, Big Macs or Burger King Whoppers? Sure enough, the test results showed I was dying. The year was given 2033, based upon the honesty of my answers. I'm dying, but so are you. We're all terminal. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you today. Two things that are certain in life, right? My lines are going to be losing again. Britney Spears is going to be in the news. No, actually, I want you to write down in your notes two things that you can count on. And that's death and taxes. Randy Push had made the news because he was using his dying opportunity to shape his own legacy. But you and I can use our living opportunity to shape the rest of our lives. We can use this time that we've got left to shape a legacy. We will, you know, leave a legacy. That's never the question. But the question is what type of legacy will we leave? Will it be a positive legacy? Will it be a good one? Will it be a God-pleasing, God-honoring legacy? Our theme verse for this sermon series is Psalm 90, verse 12. Please read it with me together out loud. Teach me to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. See, we have learned that when we grow in wisdom, we first of all live like we are dying. That was week one. Secondly, we love like we are totally forgiven. I did a quiz, but I didn't do one today. It's too depressing last week. Life is just too short. So I just told you your theme for week one and week two. In order to leave a positive legacy, today, let's look at God's word to see what it says that God's values are. So number one in your notes. There are actions a wise man and a foolish man take, and the wise men obey. To build a positive legacy, the wise 
obeys. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27, where Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid ground. Circle those words, solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents, floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings doesn't obey it is foolish like the person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. It's the image of a solid rock. That's Jesus teaching us something that we need will last forever. So Jesus says it's not about in your notes, about just listening either. It's not about just listening, but it's also in your notes about obeying. Fools can listen, that's nothing. It's about obeying the teachings of Jesus. So Jesus says that you obey my teaching, then you build your life on solid foundation. El Capitan, Mount Rushmore, something that's big and unmovable. That's the picture of obedience and wisdom. Then Jesus gives the flip side. There's a picture of a fool. That person builds his house in the floodplains. Pitches his tent in the lowlands. So if you listen and you choose to obey, then you are wise. Number two in your notes, obedience to God's ways will produce fruitfulness. So the first principle is that actions of the wise and the fool, the wise obey. But the second principle of obedience to God's ways produces fruitfulness. Look at John 15 verse 4, where Jesus says, remain in me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit. If it is severed from the vine, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. See, Jesus makes it very clearly that if you're going to obey in your notes, then you must be connected. If you are connected to Jesus, that obedience is going to produce fruit. Now, some of you hear the word fruit and you're thinking that's pretty much a sissy word. Some of you don't even like fruit. Maybe you are more of a meat and potato guy. But fruit in the Bible is a biblical metaphor. And you know, it's a metaphor for richness of life. So when you hear that you are going to produce fruit, that means that you're producing something amazing, something unheard of, something that is rich, something that is good. Obedience to God's ways will always produce fruitfulness. So look at Matthew 7, verse 20. Yes, just as you can identify a tree, Jesus says, by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You can tell a good tree in your notes because a good tree produces what? Good fruit. And you can tell a good person because he's producing good fruit also. And I like the idea of the fruit tree. There's a spiritual parallel there. Because, see, a fruit tree, if the fruit tree is healthy, a good fruit tree in your notes will what? Continue to produce fruit. Now, for you meat and potato guys, understanding fruit trees is very important. See, once you get your steak from a cow, you get that steak, you have to kill the cow, and the cow then is dead. 
You had your stake, but it does not produce anymore. So the Bible chooses to use the word fruit tree to teach this very important biblical truth. It's not about a cow. It's about fruit. Fruit as it continues to produce more fruit. It leaves a great legacy, therefore. Number three in your notes. Obedience and fruitfulness will leave a legacy. That's a winning combination. If you choose obedience to God's ways, you remain in him, connected to Jesus. If you choose obedience, and the key word there is you choose, then you will produce fruitfulness. Look at John 5, verse 16, where Jesus says, You did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So in your notes, obedience, obedience is the action. In your notes, fruitfulness, that's the result. And the result of obedience is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the legacy in your notes is one that will last. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the books of the New Testament, uses these same terms to summarize his own life. Obedience is action. Fruitfulness is the result. Legacy is what will last. Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21 and 22, For to me, living means living for Christ. Dying is even better. But if I live, I can be more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. See, the key to life is not just existing, not just living not just taking up space. The key to living is in your notes, fruitful service for Christ. So part one was to live like I'm dying. Part two was love like I'm forgiven. Part three is leave a positive legacy of serving. So let's apply this by asking three questions. Number one in your notes, what type of legacy will I leave? See, sometimes the word legacy is packed with all sorts of expectations. You think you need fame or fortune, or you need to be powerful. But instead of fame and fortune, I want you to think about fruitfulness. It's not about fame. There are two types of legacies here to leave. First of all, and you notice there's the name, legacy. These are people who are trying to make a name for themselves. They want to leave a name, legacy. They're trying to do things to be remembered, remembered for the good that they have done. These are the people who pass away and have done great things, and we remember their names. Name recognition is pretty easy. Ernest Hemingway, for example, is known for his writings. Mother Teresa is known for compassion, mercy, and working with the down and out. And I'm sure that Mother Teresa did not set out to be famous or to win the Nobel Peace Prize. But in Calcutta, India, she cared for those who were down and out. And she became famous for that. Most of us are never going to be Mother Teresa's. We are just ordinary people trying to live life the best we can, to honor God with how we live and to leave a positive legacy. Most of us know that names, however, come and go. Name recognition is here today and gone tomorrow. So the second type of legacy in your notes 
is what I've called here a service legacy. Let me encourage you to go after a legacy of serving. Do something bigger than just for yourself. Invest your life in others. Please do not go to the grave without tasting the thrills of serving others. Some people say that now they think they're too old. No, you're not. You create a legacy of serving. Just look around you. People have needs, needs to learn and to grow in Christ. People have hurts, troubles they can't handle alone. People have hopes and dreams of working with others, learning together in the small group. Start your own legacy of serving others. But the second question to begin thinking about, number two, are the things that I'm spending my time on worthy? Not only am I leaving a legacy of serving, but are those things that I am spending my time on worthy? See, if you remember back in week one, James said, your life is like a mist. It's here today and then it vanishes. See, we need to be reminded of the brevity of our lives. Live like you are dying. Have you set those priorities in order to honor God and to serve Christ in his kingdom? Are the things that I am spending my time on legacy worthy? Number three, the last question is when will I get serious? We have many visitors that come to St. John to church. They often say that was a great sermon, Pastor. Many of you give encouraging responses. There was one pastor who heard his members say to him that they liked the sermon, it's a great sermon. But he would always respond with these words, we'll see. It isn't only about hearing it. It's about obeying and doing. It's about getting serious. See, in our culture, one of the favorite days of the week is what? Saturday. But I believe that we have a replacement for that favorite day of the week now. In your notes, I want you to write down a favorite day of the week is someday. Someday is a very hazardous word if you want to leave a legacy. Like someday, I'm going to be the parent that I always wanted to be. Someday, I'm going to slow down and begin enjoying my relationships. Someday I'm going to take God more serious and study his word. Someday I'm going to get into our church's small group studies. Someday I'm going to offer a host Bible class in my own home. Someday I'm going to join that Bible class that meets at church. Someday I'm going to serve on that Friday morning project team. Someday I'm going to help with the cross-training ministry. Someday has become the favorite day of many people. In your notes, I challenge you to quit aiming. Quit aiming to do something. Quit aiming when it becomes procrastination. I am aiming to sing in the choir. I'm aiming to serve on a board. I'm aiming to help with whatever. Instead of aiming, pull the trigger. In your notes, turn someday into today. How can you turn someday in today, in conclusion, I want to look at two ways you can say I can do this. Number one, I would encourage you to cast, write it down, your vision legacy. This is what this sermon series is about. How are you changing as you hear these messages? 
one month to live. Because what really matters most? What are your priorities? It's important for you that you are worshiping God each and every week. It's important that you are growing in your faith through the study of God's word. We have a new small group ministry happening in February and March. We have Bible classes that you can join. So I encourage you to cast a vision legacy. But number two, I want to encourage you to commit a faith legacy. What I mean by faith legacy is that you become a small part of a life transformation of somebody's life. I invite you to introduce a friend to your Heavenly Father and to Jesus. That's a legacy that then will last into eternity. So I want you to put that on your radar. Let God use you. Some of you are afraid of trying something that just totally seems impossible for you. But God wants you to do the possible and just allow him to do the impossible. So you just keep on asking. You keep on having conversations. You keep on serving. Keep on loving. That is possible for you and for me. And God will do the impossible. See, it's God's power that is available when God is present in your heart and in your life. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 39. Remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth. There's no other. So who's helping you each and every day? Who do you turn to for guidance and for strength? Whose power do you rely on daily? Is it your own willpower or is it God's power? Be aware then of God's presence. Depend on his love and forgiveness. Rely on his power. We have been saying the three things in this sermon series, one month to live. Three parts. Number one, live like I'm dying. Number two, love like I am forgiven. And number three, leave a positive legacy of serving others. Amen.